We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Theo, good morning. How are you? Morning, guys. Long time no talk. Good to hear your voices. Oh, it's morning, great Theo. to hear your voice. Yeah. And, and can we just say thank you again as long as we have you on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> we miss you, Theo. <laughs> Thanks. Miss, miss Chicago, too. We moved about eight months ago, and I've, I've been lucky enough to be back a couple times, but had a great 10 years there and, and really miss it every day. You know, we're really looking forward to the start of the season, obviously, and it, it's going to be cool. I said this when we announced the rules, you know, the the game is about the players and it's for the fans. You know, you did a great job explaining it, but admit it, you you miss running a team a little bit, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's weird. This this time of year, I wake up and I, I have that feeling like I'm forgetting something. I realize, you know, like my body thinks I'm supposed to be in spring training right now, meeting with players, figuring stuff out. Really do miss it, but I'm not even 50 yet, so I got, I got some years ahead of me to get back in. I think. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. Texter checks in. Sox had a heads up, as every team did, on the new rules and knew the premium of second base. They still did nothing. On 670, the score. They had a White Sox business. <laughs> Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. The Sox did something. How about that? Woo-hoo. Elvis will be in the building today. Fantastic news. Elvis Andrews agrees to a one-year deal with the White Sox yesterday. I Presumably, he's the second baseman. I think they have a shortstop. And guess what? Now they got two shortstops play in the infield. We talked about how important this is given the rule change. Just great news for the White Sox. Morning, Molly. Yeah, it is good news for a Monday. Finally, some good news from White Sox string training. Elvis Andrews is back. Playing second base, presumably. He's not coming back to be a utility guy. No. This was a situation that had lingered on for a very long time. I don't think anybody bought the idea that Rick Hahn's plan A was to go with Romy Gonzalez at second base. I still think that Andrews has to pass the physical. There's some technicalities. But, yeah, this is the direction they're going to go, and it's one that we talked about last year when he emerged as Tim Anderson's replacement. When T.A. got healthy, the last – on the record comment about this, Elvis Andrews sounded very willing yes. to play second base, and that's sure a good did. sign. Yeah. Good for I, him. I, I mean, listen, good for them. Good I mean, for that is Yeah, good for the side. Good for everyone. That is a nice thing to see happen. And uh, One year, $3 million. Dollars. Yes, but, you know, that's that's inexpensive, right? Totally. We know that, but it's also it's also a very necessary thing. And, you know, we just said that the White Sox had done nothing in term, knowing that these rule changes would mean that you're going to need a real upgraded second Could base. be money well spent. Yes. You know, and after wasting too much time yep. on what could be the Sox's worst investment of the offseason, it's nice to talk about what could be the best. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it, it, it's interesting, everything that's going on with Mike Clevenger. I think you uh, you look at his response to uh, to things and you wonder, is that – kind of uh, typical behavior for a guy like that. Is that how he kind of keeps his – well, he doesn't have a very positive reputation. But I, I'm 
I'm still hopeful I won't see that guy pitch for the White yeah, Sox. Yeah, and, and I don't want. I think see that's still in, in play. Yeah, the I fact agree. that he might not ever pitch for the White yeah, Sox. That'd and be nice. I'm very curious what his teammates really think about a guy who has come in and created the kind of stir that he's created just by his mere presence. And we'll wait and see where this goes and the story unfolds. But um, that was how the the weekend started with a bit of. Uh, uh, kind yeah. of controversy continuing, and this is how it ends with Elvis Andrews being on the way to Camelback Ranch. And I don't know when he'll get there. It doesn't really matter. The fact is that they have now a better plan for that infield, and that's what is the most important thing. Yeah, I, I, that is huge news, and that is good news. And it's been a really kind of strange emotional camp for the White Sox. Uh, you know, Kendall Graveman got – he was overwhelmed at the idea of pitching for Team USA and the World Baseball Classic. Got very emotional about that. Um, uh, Ethan Katz got very emotional talking about Liam Hendricks and what he's going through. I think there are there are other better stories at training yeah, camp. Yeah, and, than and the one Liam Hendricks showed up yesterday. Uh, yeah, he, he showed up on Sunday, yep. and I think that had an, an impact on a lot of people that. I don't know if they had seen him previously, but it sounded as if, according to some of the reports, it had quite an impact on seeing him dealing with this, coping through this, and persevering. He's a guy that's easy to root for. You're right, though. It was an emotional – there have been a lot of emotional responses um, from the White Sox players in, in positive ways that um, have, have left an impression. You know, it was an emotional day yesterday, too, at the United Center. Yes, because you with were the there. Blackhawks, well, I was there, and the, yeah. the, the game itself, I and mean, that that you the, you wept when you the third goal was scored, the hat trick. You <laughs> broke down. I only wept because I knew what that meant. The the hats are on sale for twenty percent off with their hat trick. And I knew I was going to have to <laughs> buy one. I was with my son Blair. We had a great time. It was a great atmosphere. The the place was full. Yeah. Patrick Kane delivers a hat trick. There was a sense of. Anticipate. I don't say finality, but that was what wow. it felt like, because when he was introduced as the, uh, you know, the star of the game at post game, I love that. Skates onto the ice and he acknowledges the crowd, and he talked about having him chills and the United Center being such a great place to, to play. And after his second goal, they showed him on the jumbotron and both looked at each other and like it looks like he was emotional. Yeah. He was. It was an emotional day because that's how the night ended with Patrick Kane making people wonder, was that the last time he's going to play on home ice wearing right. number 88? And it began with Jonathan Taze being ruled out for the rest of the season with an illness, and now he won't be traded. So Taze yeah. and Kane both uh, in the headlines, and it was an emotional day for, for hockey fans in Chicago. Both guys uh, on $10.5 million deals that, retire, that, re, that run out at the end of the season. And, God, I'd hate to see – I'd hate this to be the end of Taser. You know, you'd you'd want him to have that moment that Patrick Kane had before yeah. he leaves, but that's not going to happen. He's got uh, it's long COVID and uh, and CIRS, which is which knocked him out for an entire season. And I'll tell you what, like Patrick Kane, excuse me, Jonathan Taves has not looked like himself. He's looked ill for like three years, David. I mean, I'm just saying. He's gone through a lot, and he does not look – you just want him to be healthy and and have a good life and be able to enjoy all of the success that he's had. What an, what an essential part of three Stanley Cup championships and, and a guy that did all the little things. You know, listen, Kaner probably the greatest talent that we saw in those teams – the guy that could score the goals, the guy that that, that knew he had scored a goal when everybody else was <laughs> yeah. was trying to figure it out, and and just an amazing player. But leadership, the the captain. I mean, I feel awful for that guy, and I, I that news was embittering. Kind of, it was just sad. You just felt like, damn, you know, feel bad for him. Yes. You thought he had turned the corner, yes. and he had. You know, played at a, at a pretty good level. He he still can win a face-off. He still can be a, a pretty solid piece to a championship team if that were right. the case. That's why people talked about trading for Jonathan Taze before this news. You feel bad for him. You wonder where this is headed with his career at this stage of it. You figure if he gets back, he would like to play some more. 
but they're at very different stages now because Jackson Tay's off the trade market and hopefully getting better soon. And Patrick Kane, there was one fewer team in the market. The Leafs made a trade, their, their yesterday's opponent, Ryan O'Reilly, with the Blues over the weekend. Now you don't know because they have a home game tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. They've got um, – that's the last one before the deadline, which is in 10 days. Yeah. A lot of rumors, Oilers, a lot of other teams out there, and you wonder. Kaner controls everything. Yes. And he, he has the no-movement clause, and he is the one who you – know, it's up to him what yes. happens. So I wonder what will happen because he's still playing, as we saw last night, at a pretty high level. He's got five goals in his last two games. That's pretty good. Well, David, you made the right choice going to the Blackhawks game because watching that uh, the NBA All Star game was well, what was just a waste of time and a really and I I was thinking about it. I I don't know how to articulate this, but you you know the the event itself, the <laughs> weekend of events were laid out really well, and I think the league did its job. And I think that the broadcasters did their job. I just think the actual play on the court was about as disappointing as I've ever seen an all-star game. It stunk. It was awful. And, and I mean, I, no one, and I'm saying no one, wants to watch a bunch of uncontested jumpers, whether they go in or not, and a lot of them didn't. But it it was... Yeah, you know, I think people will look back and they will say, "Wow, you know, Jason Tatum had how many points when he won the MVP? That's unbelievable. That's a record." That was, I mean, no, to to play in a game where no one even attempts anything, no one even tries. It was like watching the Bulls. It was like keeping score and shot <laughs> and stats at a pickup game. Yeah. That's what it was. I did get home in time to watch the second half and I don't know if that was the good or bad news at the time I thought all right fine I can watch this and have some thoughts on going in and then I thought what am I watching and why because it was bad man I mean I'm sorry it was really bad you know Dame Lillard with the three-point shooting contest that was fun yeah that was Um, great you know you're right the skills competitions all of that stuff Mac McClung and the Matt McClung former bull how about that former bull yeah Mac McClung you know what he did is he just there was no three attempts and there was no like I'm bringing my dad and do that oh okay we'll try it over here <laughs> that was just a guy that was kind of in a desperate situation if you will right he's yeah. really a G leaguer and and he he was he he did it all on the first attempt you know what I mean there was no like he just did it and he just and to see all these NBA stars. Jumping out of their seats was awesome. That was fantastic. I watched that with my son, and the two of us were like, "Oh, you know, like he he won it. It wasn't like there was any doubt. There was no doubt about who was no the controversy. Winner of that. You didn't have to worry about oh, what they were going to grade it. Fantastic. And the best stat about that is, I think his career earnings as a professional basketball player is one hundred six thousand dollars. Yeah, and what he won over the weekend was a hundred thousand dollars for the dunk contest. And so they the, should give him some more because he made it <laughs> worth watching. He, he really might, did. He might have made a little more money for yeah, himself over the I weekend. I hope he does. And so you had the dunk contest. You had the three-point shooting. That was great if the weekend had ended there. I know. I but know. then Sunday happened. But then the game was just god all. And you know, you know what? It made me worry. Like, do I, would I prefer to watch a bunch of guys catch a water balloon to watching this crap? I, it was – I mean, it. I almost went, like – Pro Bowl on the whole damn thing. <laughs> you sound like Nuggets coach Mike Malone, who agrees with us, and this is what he had to say about it. You know, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of a, a great weekend, great players, but that is the worst basketball game ever played. How do you fix it? Uh, I don't know if you can fix it. <laughs> Ask them to try. Just make an effort. You know how you fix it? Like, the only way you fix anything in the NBA, whether it's load management or that, you, you offer bonus money to whoever is like, it worth it tries I, is it worth it it's it's a fun event if the players gave up but, let, but let's behind. look at it this way I, I don't I know that's the only way you're going to make it more competitive is to incentivize it with money but I also look at it okay if that were the case and DeMar DeRozan who played 16 minutes yeah Dustin must be but pleased. it doesn't really matter how non-competitive they were it's like it's like a 16 minute jog 
Nobody's going to get hurt there. But if it were 16 minutes under the competitive intensity of a normal game, would you – it would have been a different scenario here in Chicago. But I I, I don't know if that would fix it or not, Molly. I I think – I think if – like I said, I think everything's there but the players. They just don't care, and they have this agreement not to care. And they – it was like watching the Pro Bowl before they got rid of the Pro Bowl. Here's the problem, David. Television, the television contract is coming up for the NBA, mm-hmm. and their ratings are down. This is not the NFL. The NFL is back to pre-COVID ratings. They are the NFL. So the NBA is not the doing NBA that. needs the All Star Game more than the NFL needs the Pro Bowl game. Yeah, I think I think the All Star Game and the All Star Weekend is usually it. It usually creates different characters that you look at. First yeah. of all, like did you see who did LeBron take with his first pick? That that Edwards, right? Who did he take? That that kid's gonna wind up in LA. That was such a fix. And LeBron, it was like when he took Anthony Davis and then Anthony Davis winds up in LA. That was LeBron poor, once again. Poor Jokic. Like re- recruiting some kid. It was ridiculous. <laughs> the whole draft was ridiculous though. Yes, but it was fun. Yeah, it was okay, it's fun. I, honestly, yeah. if they had come out and then played like you would at at Rucker but Park. You, you or knew wherever, they wouldn't though. And Jan is playing one minute. I know his wrist is still. It was bandaged. I know, but the LeBron not playing the second half. Well, they didn't care. It was no a farce. One cared. That, that it was, was a farce. The whole thing was a farce. And that's what I'm saying. You don't like the, the All-Star game used to be. It used to be, you know, pretty. It was never good. Let me put it that way. But at least there were times where like Isaiah Thomas was yeah. phenomenal in All-Star game because he really is maybe one of the best, like, smaller but, players but, in league history. We live in a, a, a culture now, sports-wise, that everyone is paralyzed yeah. by fear of injury. It's, it's And, you know, if you get a little bit of you – know, it's, it's the age of bubble wrap. And so everybody wants to avoid the, even just coming close to uh, any kind but, of potential injury. But it's it, – you know, the, the whole premise of games, whether it's, it's you playing – tic-tac-toe with a with a five-year-old whether it's an actual like backyard you know in the in the uh, playing some basketball in the driveway the premise of sports is that you're gonna try yeah I and know. that and that you're gonna i mean I, okay that's well, a bad one because the you, you probably let the kid win but you know no but him, the premise of sports is that everyone. you're going to try and compete but we also molly i mean the we also understand the realities of pro sports these days that it's not always, especially here in Chicago, the object isn't always to win. <laughs> well, <that is laughs> so yeah. things have changed so much that when you watch the all-star game, you're just reminded about how far away things have gotten from what they originally were. And uh, I don't know, the weekend could have ended Saturday night and nobody would have complained. I don't think anybody would have minded. That was a joke. It was no fun to watch. It was like, is this over yet? You know, Please. You know. Yeah, it, it, you know, again, the weekend was great. The game was god-awful, and the Bulls are off until Friday when they host the Nets. That's nice. So that that's, gives us all a little bit of a break. How about Northwestern still winning? Northwestern, ha- I, I think, do they have seven or eight quad one victories? They're, go- they're going to the they're tournament. In. They're yeah. totally in. They've got a great resume, and they're and they're winning, and uh, and they did it again. Oops, they did it again. Iowa. They beat Iowa at yeah. home. That was a good atmosphere. You wonder now it sets up a big game on Thursday against the Illini. The Illini need a victory after losing to IU. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, certainly, close they, game. It was Saturday. a close game. They yeah. didn't have Shannon, and there are a lot of factors. But Brad Underwood was actually in a good mood after the game. He thought that was a very competitive game. Came down to the last shot they just missed. And the Illini, I think, need to win every game they can just to remove any doubt that exists because Northwestern looks like a bigger lock. And Northwestern, if they're not ranked after winning They're on second Sunday, in the Big Ten. Come on. And Purdue is, like, I think third, and they're, like, 14 I, or something? Purdue beat uh, Ohio State handily yesterday. And before I went to the hockey game. Did you game, watch it? I watched I, that I did. too. Yeah. I, I, I can't stop. Yeah. If Purdue's on. I have to watch because I am mesmerized. By Zach Eady. He, he is ah. he is so dominant when he wants to be. I, I don't know if he can do – well, first of all, they were without their center, right? Yes. So you, this guy is standing there, and he's the tallest guy on the floor by about, I don't know, 
eight inches, they something started like that? One, they, well, they tried to have one kid guard him who hadn't played much this year. I Holy think he had God. four fouls in six minutes. Yeah. And Purdue just did whatever it wanted with Edie because he's a guy that can't be accounted for. I don't know how you stop he, that. He guy. just – we were talking last week. Yeah. Who does he remind you of in college basketball? When was the last time there was that kind of a Ralph Sampson. immovable force? And you said Ralph Sampson, and that's a very interesting comparison because that is the guy who was just like you didn't have an answer for him. You had to guard him with two guys, and he had a pretty good touch for a big guy, somebody that large. But Purdue, I don't know if he is – how do you guard him? I don't know that you can, David, and that's why I, I, I think the, the question is – can you play through him on every possession? Because they don't, they don't do that really. I think he's gotten like unstoppable, but they, it's not like they're able to get him the ball all the time. He, this guy, in case you don't know, is seven foot four. Yes, seven foot four, and he, he's like capable of dunking every time he touches the ball. He's, he probably weighs like I, I would guess like in the 280s, 290s. I mean, he's like a normal-sized person that is actually seven foot four. He's a Canadian who grew up playing hockey. Yeah, that, the idea of him on skates. <laughs> I kept saying that to my wife because we were watching. I'm like, look at this guy. Watch it, how he, you know. He discovered basketball or basketball discovered oh, him when on. he was a high school sophomore. He's seven foot four. He was a high school sophomore before he started dunking, though, Molly. Before I, that, he was a defenseman. He was, you know, he was the blue liner. What, what was the, what was the, um, was it George Mikan, Ray Meyer, like walks up to George. The guy's seven feet tall. Right. Son, do you play basketball? Uh, no, I never, you do now. You do now. You know, I mean, come on. And defensively, he's, seven, that, that's where I will look at the big impact he can I have. I agree because with you. He has, yes. I think, more blocks than he does fouls. That's, he's a very smart he, player. That's unbelievable. And. More blocks than fouls. Think about that. He, you're absolutely right. He stays off guys and just swats the ball. And I, I can't, I'm, I'm into this story. I love everything yeah, about this story. story because Purdue, they were coming off two losses, so they, they get a win they needed. But apparently after games, there's such a fascination with him that kids stick around, fans stick around just to meet him. Yeah. He's always the last guy off the floor, and he makes sure that everybody who wants to meet him does. Wow. And so – and he's 21 years old. Yeah. It's just a great, story it's a great story for college basketball. And you do you pull for a guy like that because you can't stop watching. Like, is he going to touch the ball here in this possession? Or is he going to block that shot? Oh, my gosh, he's going to get another foul. No, he's not. And he's really fun to watch. My wife, my wife is like, oh, poor guy. He's way too tall. And I was like, really? That's your takeaway? He's a basketball player? She's like, she's like oh, you know, he wouldn't even fit in a bed. Think about what he must go through. And I, You know, I had a friend who was 6'6". Six, six, and he had a hard time going to hotels because he couldn't fit in beds. Just say it. <laughs> that's that's going to be something he deals with the rest his of his His feet are going to be hanging life. out of the bed for but the rest you know, of his life. That's after, hopefully, a long NBA career. Yeah, and he'll I, be hadn't, able to, I hadn't thought about it. Uh, yeah, he'll be able to afford customized beds and, and you know, tailor-made suits and things that tall guys have to worry about that we don't. Yeah. Well, you're pretty so. tall, but you're not 7'4". I'm not that tall. Yeah. Good God. My kid is is 6'3", but he looks like he's 6'9", because he's so skinny. <laughs> and I'm not dissing him. I'm just stating facts. All right. We've got uh, we got a ton we got to get to. We're going to pick apart all the stories of the weekend when we come back with the pick six. There are a lot of things to get into. We're going to talk it all over. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. Have you forgiven the White Sox after they signed Elvis Andrews to a one-year, $3 million deal? What position will he play? Does his presence fill the leadership vacuum created by Jose Abreu signing in Houston? Well, that is some interesting stuff right there. We should let you know this segment brought to you by Finishing Chicago. All great finishes start with finishingchicago.com. Um, that's interesting stuff because I the idea that his leadership is one of the reasons you got him – you know, immediately we have a texter saying when we started talking about uh, Elvis Andrews, you know, the guy's 34 years old with less than 100 homers. We'll see. He did very well for the White Sox last year. He really did. And you saw a lot of things from him that are tremendous. His base running was phenomenal. His baseball sense was just great. Um, I, I, I don't know that we've seen a baseball player as good as him in a while on the south side. So I loved that they brought him back because he will help defensively where there is a vacuum as much as in leadership where there probably is a vacuum. I got I got a lot of time for the guy. You know, they got him from Oakland, which is kind of a pitcher's park, and he hit pretty well for the White Sox in his tenure here. We'll find out if, uh, if he can do that at, at his age over the course of a season. But I, I can't. I can't feel bad about it. I think it's a great move. How much does Leury make? $5 million a year? I had friends texting me, are they going to DFA Leury now? I, I don't know that that's the case, but I do know that they now have better options. I think that that Romy uh, will be a guy that can play a lot of different positions and uh, and can move around the field a little bit, and he'll help you, and he'll break his uh, arse wherever you put him. And I'm a big fan of this move. I, I, I am delighted that Elvis is in the building. Couldn't this move have been made uh, like a month ago? I think maybe he ago? was waiting for a deal and he didn't get it. And so he, that's how they got him for $3 million, So it was right? business. It was an, a business I'm decision. Guessing. All right. I mean, listen, I, let, let's, let's be glass half full. The good news is, is that they got him. I mean, they needed him. They got him. It makes sense. I think, Molly, you mentioned it in the first segment of the show this morning. Now you've got... Two guys that play pretty good shortstop playing up the middle, kind of what the Cubs are doing, same idea. Now the Cubs is a little younger, and there's a little more money invested, just a little bit right now, but it makes sense for right this second. So kudos kudos to them for doing it. I think he was a big um, – he was a leader last year down the stretch. Like he was, he was giving an A-plus effort day in and day out. Yeah. I don't know that the clubhouse – needed that but i think he's a guy that shows professionally he shows up to work he goes through his process shows you how to play exactly those kinds of things and i think that's that there's a lot of there's a lot of value in that and i think that's part of what jose did too now there's the difference between the connection the cuban connection you know that part of the locker room that whole thing but he's a guy who's going to show up every day and be a pro so i'm still trying to figure out what we're uh, forgiving the white Sox. we forgiven the white Sox for what for Taking so long to get there. Well, I mean, you you hold Rick Hahn accountable for saying that they're going to address a need, and they finally did, I suppose. I don't know if you forgive them. Um, are we forgiving the White Sox for doing something positive in a way? I mean, this is probably their best investment of the offseason after, you know, probably spending too much time talking about their worst. Uh, here's where we are with the White Sox. This move was so necessary and so expected that now we're going to celebrate it because it happened on February 20th. It's the only move really – it's a move that they had to make. They could not go into a season realistically expecting to contend and having this kind of hole in the infield. 
this is now a new, as we discussed on Friday, a new way of, of playing defense. You could have two shortstops up the middle, one at second base, one at shortstop. Good for Elvis Andres that he's willing to, you know, play a position. He's never played at the major league level, but he has a career as a shortstop, wanted to explore all those opportunities. And I think the time was maybe more related to his wants than the White Sox. Yep. And that's why he decided he can't get a better situation than this. And he's going to come to the Sox, and I think he will be an asset, no doubt about it. And, yeah, he'll help fill the leadership void um, that Abreu leaves because they need leaders. It's the right question, and I'm not sure yet. How much did you enjoy the All-Star game? What part of the other festivities during the weekend leading up to the game did you like the most? Any Bulls takeaways from what's become an NBA convention, or have they faded too far into irrelevance? Remember when the All-Star game was in Chicago, and that weekend was when they you know, made a lot of connections. You thought a lot of things were going to happen, and a lot of changes were, were coming after that because Michael Reinsdorf talked to so many people around the league. Yeah, that was fun and necessary that didn't happen this weekend there was nothing really bulls related to to look at to hear you know whispers about demar Derozan showed up he played uh 16 minutes but i don't know that they were 16 rigorous minutes i think nothing about that all-star game was rigorous so i enjoyed saturday night those festivities were fun we'll get to some of the details later yeah that was that was the tradition of all-star weekend is enjoying the three-point contest as Dame Lillard said, every great shooter has one of these. And now he does too. And the dunk contest was fun, but that was it. Yesterday was dreadful. It was a tough watch, even though I only saw the second half. And they have to address it because I'm with Mike Malone. That was some of the worst basketball I've ever seen. Well, here's what I know. Saturday is greater than Sunday. And that's especially apparent right now as we are in week two without the NFL. So Saturdays are greater than than Sundays. I mean, has the game actually started? I mean, that draft, and then we had a concert, and then they had to warm up. I mean, what what time did they actually put the ball in play? And then you saw guys walking up and down a court. So the the game itself, no good. Saturday, greater than Sunday. I, I do think there is some Bulls news here, though, just as usual to disagree. After the game, DeMar DeRozan going out of his way to say, I'm back. I'm healthy. I'm yes. ready to go. Yes. I'm going to put that Bulls uniform on. We got a lot yes. of things to do. I'm excited about it. All the things as a Bulls fan that you want to hear. So it goes back to the, the first time Billy Donovan is made available. He's going to have to answer the question, why didn't DeMar play on Thursday night? I mean, whose decision was that? I mean, it made sense for him not to travel down well, to Thursday. Indy. But did they just genuflect that game away and Thursday, just say? Thursday, Sunday, 72-hour difference. I mean, that's why. Right? Yeah. Uh-oh. You've stopped. <laughs> clammed up now. I'm just saying. Dustin, isn't you that wanna, the difference? Do you want to continue? Well, I think I think it's something that needs to be discussed. I mean, <laughs> okay. I, I'm just, did they did they feel like, hey, it's not worth it? We can't, even if he plays, I want to know from the Bulls standpoint. I, I want to know why he, and I want to know, I, want, I also want to know if the Bulls were okay with it. Like, who made the decision that he could put on his sneakers and tighten them up? And play on Sunday. The players did he, did he play? I, I'm just well, saying he was he he, he, he made the box he score. He also Mully. walked down the. No, he did very well because. Oh, well, I'm just saying Ridge that's day. why he played. I'm just saying yeah, that's I, that's the and evidence. I'm, I'm with you, but right. my point is simply that that wasn't really a game of basketball. That wasn't no. a competitive game. He's basically gonna not play on Thursday and then play again on Friday. That that will be a real game again. Um, that I don't know what that was yesterday, but I'm with you. That was some bad basketball. That was a really awful game. I watched way too much of the All-Star weekend. And I've got, I also have a thought, like, what the hell are you doing having the All-Star game in Salt Lake City? That is just not the place for an NBA All-Star game. You know, you're supposed to be able to go out, hit the clubs, and, you know, (laughs) talk to guys and recruit them and have, like, a proper timeout. Salt Lake City, a, not the place for an any NBA of that. It's NBA city. It's not an NBA city. It's an NBA city, city if they no. have an NBA team. No, it's a really – it's kind okay, of a half-closed-down right. city. I'm just being honest. Rip the host. Um, you know, was it Detroit last year? Where were they? Detroit? I forget, but I know they were somewhere where I was like, where the, what the hell are they doing there? And then next year, I think they're going to Indy. Oh, come on. Really? You can't just – I mean, you should go to destinations. 
You should have these games at somewhere where a grown man oh, can get man. on an airplane, go there, pay for a bloody uh, hotel room, and then enjoy a game. I did not expect the Utah just, disparagement this I, morning. I'm sorry, but that's just not a town that deserves an NBA All-Star game. Um, I, I, <laughs> I thought it was super cool to see DeMar with his kids watching the events like everyone else. It was just great. I love that kind of stuff, and I love – I love the NBA, and I thought that the game itself, the All-Star game, was the only letdown of the weekend. I, I even watched their half-assed uh, celebrity game off. You did not. I did watch you some watched of that. The I had it game. on. I was you actually playing the celebrity Sudoku. game Friday morning, and, I and watched then you the watched the Futures game just to see what Iowa would do. Let me tell you something. I think Man. that they should have, like in the old days, they used to have the old-timers play a game, <laughs> and there'd be some old beef that's Where they would idea. be like Dave Cowens would be oh. elbowing some guy in the head. <laughs> That's great. It, but yeah. you could watch that. Yeah, let's see. Kevin how, about 30, how about thirty and over versus thirty and under? Get out of New here. New format. I like 30 it. Thirty and over. Combine versus, those two games versus thirty and under. These are the best young you, players. Let's elbow them in the head you as think, they go for the buck. You think they were walking up and down the floor Sunday night? Imagine how they would be. Oh, I the, think the thirty and under crowd have something to say about that, David. I don't know. That's hysterical. I, I don't think that would work, but I just Well, I'm just anything. looking for a new format. Right? I, like I mean, it. listen, I like at it. this point, is there a bad idea? No. Because it's got to be this fixed. Has to, I mean, balloon catch. That's a bad idea. Maybe the basketball could be cold question. water. All right. How fun was it to see former Bull Matt McClung win the NBA dunk contest Saturday night? Did you even know McClung scored two of his eight career points last year in a three-minute appearance for the Bulls? Will that be his career highlight, and how did he pull it off? I got to tell you, the guy saved the, the bloody, bloody dunk contest because that's another thing that they've just run out of ideas and they're trying to do different stuff. What was awesome about his performance is he did it one time. That's why it was significant. He, was, he, was, he played like a desperate guy trying to, you know, win. And I, I didn't see a lot of that on the weekend and I was very pleased to see it. And I loved all the NBA guys. I had no idea he had played for the Bulls. I was stunned to learn that. And the fact that he has eight career points is hysterical that he was even in the dunk contest, right? But the guy was allowed this moment, and he met the moment, and he did it by hitting the, the, the dunk on the first try. And the guy is six foot two. And it's like everyone around him is like twice his size, and he looks like a guy that is probably not in the G League. He's in like the Y, uh, the Y League. Yeah, he's playing at the Y, and and I mean it was it was spectacular. I was really delighted for him and by what he did. Had no idea that he was ever a Chicago Bull, N- not even a no, no clue. So that was good. I got educated. It's pretty cool seeing. A six-two guy jump over, you know, two, two human people. beings yeah. and, and dunk a basketball. It was, it, it was really on the first try. On the first try, it, it was good. The three-point contest was good too. Like yeah, there, there was, was some, excellent. there was some drama yeah. in that, and some big names, you know, playing in that. Again, going back to the answer before, Saturday greater than Sunday. Dame Lillard first pick in the pickup game. Yeah, how about that? So you guys didn't remember Mac McClung as a bull? He had a second 10-day contract, and you forgot that in 2022? I did. <laughs> well, I mean. Did you remember? No. I, yeah. the, name, the name rung a bell for some reason. I, I'm not quite sure because you kind of remember that. He played. He was a transfer, I think, from Georgetown with the Texas Tech. Yeah. That, that his story. And now he is a, a dunk legend because he'll always remember the year that he stole the show. Uh, but it was short-lived, that kind of excitement. I cannot believe that you watch. I'm still getting over the fact that you invested time in the all, in the celebrity All-Star game. I, I didn't invest a lot. Of, I, I'm, you had to ask me who Kane Brown was, but you still watched the celebrity All-Star yeah, game. Yeah, no, I, I'm not pleased with it. I had it on. <laughs> I was reading a book that I... It just blew my mind, the book I was do, reading. So do it you was think a that, great moment. Do you think something like this, though, can lead to him like getting a, a longer look in the NBA? No. I think he had his moment, and that's we'll that's never it? hear of him okay. again. It's still a difficult question to answer. Have we seen the last of Jonathan Taze with the Blackhawks after the announcement that he's suffering from long COVID and CIRS? With Taze on the indefinite absence, there is virtually no chance of a trade, right? 
Could he come back after his $10.5 million deal expires? These are good questions, and you, you do feel a lot of empathy for what Jonathan Taze has been through, and you don't know how severe it has been and what he's been dealing with behind the scenes. You're right, Mully. He does look different, and he does look compromised and physically just not as strong as he has in the past. He was playing at a level that was I, I was probably not what he wanted, but it was acceptable. He's still a guy you want on your team. He's still a guy that can win face-offs. I don't know whether or not he's going to be coming back to Chicago or into the NHL. I do think that if he runs out of contract, the Hawks, it, depending on his health situation, it, he might want to retire as a Blackhawk. I could see that. One way or another, I could see that. I am curious how this might affect the Patrick Kane trade discussions. I wonder if one is related to the other. I don't sense that it might be, but you never know. Patrick Kane controls all the cards here. You wonder if the fact that they uh, won't be dismantling totally, Jonathan Taze is not leaving the organization, if that affects Patrick Kane's thinking. It's an emotional time right now, as we saw last night for Patrick Kane during the hat trick and after. He spoke with emotion. He doesn't know what his gut is telling him. He said if he knew that, he would have made his decision by now. So I wonder if it's all related. It wouldn't be the worst thing if they could still find a way to get the first overall pick and keep both guys and bring them back to play with the Connor Bedard. That would be the ideal scenario for Blackhawks fans. I don't know how realistic it is. Right now, everyone's hopes are with Jonathan Tays that he recovers fully after this rest. Yeah, you got to hope that uh, he's okay overall. Um, disappointing. If that is it, you know, there, there's, I think it's a good possibility. I think it's at 50-50 at least that he has played his last game as a Blackhawk and we will never see him, you know, out on the ice as officially a, a Blackhawk. Now, I'm sure there'll be the one-day contract and he'll come do the one wow. last skate and they'll put his jersey sweater in the rafters as they should, but that might be it. You know, the other thing that's kind of hard to imagine is no more Kane and Taves on the ice together. Right. That, that's another thing. And what what are they doing with Patrick Kane? I think will be another part of the decision making process for Jonathan Taves. And, you know, is he willing to give a hometown discount to stay the captain of this organization? All TBD. Yeah. I, you know, I, I feel awful about this. I have nothing but respect and always will for Jonathan Taves and what he did with the Blackhawks. And, you know, I think it's easy to kind of forget it now, but. Goodness gracious. I mean, this is a guy that literally did anything needed to be done. Like, he was the guy that filled in at any spot. If if they were having a hard time getting someone to stand in front of goal because that guy was getting beaten up, guess who'd do it? Jo Jonathan Taze did everything. And he was, you know, the most mature player on the ice from, like, the age of 19. It, it was just an extraordinary career to watch unfold and, you know, this fills in a lot of blanks for me. This explains a lot, this diagnosis of the long COVID. And you read about that, and it's really uh, difficult stuff. And, and his immune system being compromised. Uh, you could tell. You could tell that he was, that the man looked sickly, if that is even a word we use anymore. It's like you think of kind of, you know, uh, kind of uh, 18th century lords as, oh, well, he's always been unwell. It's it's awful to think about a young man, and he's still a very young man, going through something like this when he still has time, when he still could be playing. So I hope that his career continues. I don't know that it will continue with the Blackhawks. My belief right now is that we have seen the last of him in a Blackhawks uniform, but I hope we see him in the NHL again. I hope he's back. Great question. Old friend Wilson Contreras clapped back at the Cubs in a weekend story with Ken Rosenthal telling The Athletic it was really tough seeing it reported that his approach occasionally frustrated manager David Ross. Does this help you understand why more Cubs moved on from the all-star catcher in his prime? And what side are you on in the Contreras-Ross rift that will only now grow bigger? Yeah, I... I, I... <sighs> I, you know, I hate when a guy leaves town and you badmouth him when he's left town. Or he leaves town and he reveals that, you know, you guys are all a bunch of jerks and I never enjoyed it. It just, I wish this could be done in a much better fashion. First of all, I wish they had brought the guy back. I think that he played well enough and was good enough 
he deserved a chance to be on the team. And I, I don't know if the, you know, I don't know if, I, this is a weird thing to say, but I don't know if there was a rivalry between the two players with the young guy coming up and the old guy finishing up and who was more important to that year, et cetera. I have no idea. But it's it kind of it stings of that a little bit. And I just I just find it unpleasant and I don't like seeing this sort of thing happen. But when a guy goes to your biggest rival, it's not much of a stretch to think that there's bad blood on both sides, and clearly there is. Yeah, there clearly is, and I, I, I've said it from, gosh, at least 18 months now, I think, that David Ross and Wilson Contreras didn't get along, and, and I think that they didn't get along as teammates. I don't think they got along as you know catcher-skipper relations. I don't think any pitcher went to bat for Wilson Contreras, which is also part of the problem. And listen, whatever Wilson Contreras needs to do, to keep the energy up, to keep the intensity going. And if that's that he wants to have this a belief that the Cubs slighted him, then, you know, whatever it takes. We've talked about that for a couple of weeks now. Guys using, you know, some people think it's fake and a bunch of baloney um, motivation. But th- that's what that's what this is. And, um, you know, I think David Ross today, I- I'm assuming David Ross is going to speak today. And I'm hoping that somebody out there in Arizona asks him, you know, to like somebody reads him these quotes and gets his response to it. And I hope he's classy about yeah. it, frankly. Yeah, I do too. Because gr- let's be clear he here. He will be. Let's be clear here. This is not Wilson Contreras initiating this and saying, no, 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 I'm the Cardinal oh, no. now. This is somebody going to him after it was reported by a well-respected national reporter that the Cubs had this opinion of him, and David Ross was the one who was forming it. And this was, to me – the least surprising spring trading headline so far. Yeah. Because I think we all kind yeah. of saw this coming when we wondered why in the world would the Cubs move on from a catcher entering his prime? And why wouldn't they find the money in, a, in an offseason where they spent over $300 million to invest in new players? Why couldn't they find a few extra dollars to keep an old one who had served them very well and had won a World Series with? So I think this helps explain the rest of the story. This tells us a little bit more about behind the scenes. I've always sensed that there was something between David Ross and Wilson Contreras from the moment that Wilson Contreras walked in the Cub Clubhouse in 2016. That goes back a long way, but I think that it doesn't surprise me that this rift uh, maybe led to his ultimate departure, and it's going to spice up the rivalry, no doubt about it, and I hope and expect David Ross to handle this diplomatically. How how good is Wilson Contreras going to be against the Cubs? I think against the Cubs? When he plays them, how well will he play them? I think he'll be pretty pretty good. I think he's going to be pretty good. I think he's going to be at his at, at his I best. I think we'll see the best of Wilson Contreras when he plays. They guarantee that they will, he'll, that we'll see his best when they decided to let him go to the rival. And it's a pick six. In a Friday news dump, uh, Schefter reported the Bears will release defensive end al Kadeen Muhammad, saving $4.5 million against the cap for a team already that has $92 million in space. Muhammad was among Matt Eberfuss's first new players brought here to create a culture. Is that a sign culture isn't the main priority any longer at Hallis Hall? Well, at some point it can't be. It's always going to be the backdrop. It's always going to be the thing that they lean on and they want to promote to free agents and draft picks and whatever the case may be. But he was brought in to maybe help create a culture. It would have been nice if he could have gotten to the quarterback. He didn't. He got a sack. This is a... Minor move that was, a, I don't want to say a major investment, but $4.5 million is no, nothing uh, to dismiss. So I get it does create some space, and it is a good sign that as much as they may value culture, they also value production. And if you don't produce, you're gone. And this was a move that they had to be made. I don't know if it was a Friday news dump or not, but it did break on a Friday late afternoon, coincidence or not, and it was the right move because they need huge upgrades all across the front seven. One sack. One sack. Now, I know they didn't sack the quarterback very often, but one's not a very large number. I can I can report one, that. One is the loneliest number. Yep. Two can be the same as one, but the loneliest number <laughs> is the number one. Look up the song, Friar. I like it. All right. 
I think maybe he came in. I, I don't think this means that they don't care about the locker room and the culture. I, I don't see why the two are, are connected, that now they don't care. I mean, listen, he didn't produce, but I think the culture has been set. A new culture has been set, and I don't think Muhammad being sent packing is going to, oh, that's it. That culture we set is going right down the darn toilet. Yeah, I mean, the guy did not earn his salary, as simple as that. He was making $5 million a year, and they only have to spend 500000 to get rid of him, so makes sense. I don't think it has anything to do with the rest of the players and let me, or the rest of the, of the salary cap or anything like that. Let me tell you something. I like this move, and I like the locker room seeing it because it doesn't matter who brings you in. It doesn't matter what your connection is. If you don't produce – you got to go. That's the point. That's the whole point. That's that, the takeaway. You want to know how you create culture? You you run out people that didn't do anything. And sadly, the guy oh. had a crap year, so why would you bring him back? And let me tell you something. They'll bring some of these guys back from that front seven. It's inevitable. But I don't know that they're – if I were one of those guys, I'd look at this and say, gulp. I didn't do enough because guess what? They didn't do enough. It's going to resonate of with other players who didn't produce. Yes. And there were a lot of them. And it's a good idea to get rid of unproductive players, period, end story. Yeah. Might want to win a game here or there. That would be good for the culture, too. All right. We've got uh, the extra point next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. It's President's Day, so in spirit of the holiday, what would your Chicago sports power rankings for team presidents look like today? They are Kevin Warren of the Bears, Michael Reinsdorf of the Bulls, Jed Hoyer of the Cubs, Kenny Williams of the Sox, Danny Wirtz, Jamie Faulkner of your Blackhawks. Well, there's only one team president that's undefeated right now. That's Kevin Warren, so maybe he's at the top because he hasn't really officially moved into his office yet. Moving in at a very good time. He's taking over at a very important time in this offseason for the Bears and what's ahead of them. I think that, though, I can't put him on top. All right, I'll go in order of the way I would Mm -hmm. rank them as we sit here this morning on February 20th. Right now, I think Jed Hoyer, after the offseason he's had and his past and the fact that he, I know, was a general manager when they won a championship, but it was the most recent one. And so Jed Hoyer, after his offseason of spending $300 million dollars, and, and bringing in more free agents than any team in baseball to me would be number one because the Cubs are frankly the most hopeful team in town right now as we speak. Secondly, I'll go with Kevin Warren because he hasn't uh, lost a game yet and there's a lot of things that are looking up for the Bears in terms of the stadium issue in Arlington Heights, the number one overall draft pick and everything that he represents in terms of just credibility on the job. After that, it gets tricky. I'll go with I'll go with Kenny Williams. I suppose the White Sox a very disappointing offseason. Um, even though you know, signing Elvis Andrews, signing a veteran infielder for a one-year, three million dollar contract does not change a lot of what went on this offseason. Uh, they they pulled off a really interesting thing is that they they parted company with Tony Larusa, and yet somehow they're more unlikable now. Uh, in many ways. So I think I'll put him third. After him, Michael Reinsdorf, the Bulls. Not a good time to be a Bulls fan because they've been as disappointing as any team in the NBA. And bringing up the rear would be Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner because as much as I was at the game on Sunday night and as much as you you had a, a, a moment of nostalgia to experience with Patrick Kane having a hat trick and the Hawks winning the second game uh, of the weekend, still, they're... They're going through a lot right now. The rebuilding still, the rebounding from scandal, and that is why I would put them last because of some of the decisions they've made and and just where they are in relation to the other teams. All right, this won't shock anybody, but top of my list is going to be Jed Hoyer because he has ties to a championship, and at least right now the Cubs uh, are looking pretty good as far as what they did in the offseason. This might surprise people. Number two is Kenny Williams but with an asterisk, and it's because Kenny was part, big part, of a championship team. Like So Kenny and Jed have brought championships to this city, had big roles in that. We can get to the asterisk later if anybody cares, but we won't do it right now. 
Um, number three is going to be Michael Reinsdorf because the Bulls are just kind of middle. They're they're kind of middling, maddening, uh, underperforming, but they're they're kind of in the middle. I'm going to put Kevin Warren fourth because while he, as David points out correctly, he hasn't won a game or been part of it, but he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't started really yet. Um, you know, I, I, there's no doubt that if the team president were still the former team president, that they would have bought the land at Arlington Heights. So it's not like Kevin Warren gets like a check mark for that, bought the land. Uh, we got the correction. Fortunately, we're not on Twitch today. And then last is going to be the combination of Wurtz Faulkner, because as David very put very well, Blackhawks are still a mess. Okay, I got Kevin Warren as number one, only because next President's Day, I want to go from first to worst. I, I, he hasn't started yet. He hasn't done anything yet. They did get the land. We do know that he's here to build a dome stadium in Arlington Heights, and we're looking forward to that. So I'm going with Kevin Warren because he's uh, he's undefeated. Uh, next, I'm taking Kenny Williams because he did win a championship, and he did put a team together that won a championship. Um, I'm not going to blame him for this year, although we don't know who's in charge of the White Sox, one of the problems. Uh, Jed Hoyer, third with a bullet. I like what he's done this offseason, but uh, – but he was uh, Theo's top lieutenant when they won that title. So he gets a share, but but only a top lieutenant share. Um, next, I'm going with uh, Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner. And that is because they have they've picked the lane. They know what they're doing in terms of what they want to get done. And sadly, i got to go with Michael Reinsdorf last. And that is because I don't think the Bulls have a direction. I don't think they know what they want to do. I don't think they know where they're going. And I don't know how they're ever going to get there. So I think that's the most disappointing team in town right now because of what I expected from them before the season uh, began. And um, and unfortunately, I think the, the Blackhawks, we know – that there is a purpose to what they're That's doing. Interesting. We don't have one for the I Bulls. I think you're right. That's, boy, the Bulls got lost in a hurry. Yeah, they did. You know, they started going in circles this year when yep. the – Circles down the drain, yeah. And yeah. I didn't see this coming. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't expect them to be this directionless at this stage of the season. But the All-Star break, you talk about what, what the conversation would have been like around the Bulls. It was like, what are they going to do? How are they going to get out of this? What's next? Do they end up with a top four draft pick, and what does that mean? I, I don't know what yeah, they. I, I don't know where they go from here. That's a really interesting uh, conclusion to reach because I, I'm not sold either, and I, I think they were second to the last in, on my uh, presidential power rankings. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, honestly, like Kevin Warren shouldn't even be in this conversation because we don't have any evidence either way, and and I, I took Kenny Williams in part because he wants me to stay out of White Sox business. And let me tell you something, there is nothing I want more than to stay out of White Sox business. So we are in agreement, Kenny. Come on the show. Let's talk about it. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haunt, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. I don't think it's any of your business. And I think you should get on to the next subject. Go White Sox. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Good news, finally, some good news from the White Sox, and that is that they have signed Elvis Andrews to a one-year, $3 million deal, and um, presumably he is their starting second baseman now. That would make sense. And um, it will be interesting to see how all of that plays out. He's 34 years old. Uh, he was great last year. He mm-hmm. was just such a heady, good player. So it's it's finally some good news, and it's something that you can get your teeth into, and it's something that you were hoping uh, was coming from the White Sox and uh, delighted about it, David. They needed it because, number one, it was an off-season need that they didn't address, mm-hmm. and we all thought that that would be the case once Rickon – met with the media after hiring Pedro Grafal, and there were a lot of expectations about what moves they would make and what holes still existed. Second base was near the top of the list. Right field, second baseman, and a backup catcher. Right field, maybe they, or outfield, they addressed with Andrew Benintendi. Okay, check. 
second base. They now have a dress with Elvis Andrews. Check. You know, catching depth is still an issue, even though there's a story in this morning sometimes about Yasmani Grandal feeling healthy, having a good offseason. We'll wait and see. There's always one of those stories for almost every player that reports to camp in the best shape of his life. So we'll wait and see what happens there. But there are fewer concerns today because of Elvis Andrews uh, being being signed. He's 34 years old, so you have to be careful there. You don't want to just think he's going to be there for 155 games or whatever the case. So you have some depth behind him. But finally, some good news from White Sox camp. I think what's interesting to me is, you know, we talked about the defense. We talked about needing two shortstops because of the shift being gone and all that and, you know, needing a guy that can make plays. Um, And we've had people suggest that Tim Anderson should move to second base and you should have Elvis Andrews stay at shortstop because he's a better shortstop than Tim Anderson. But that's not the future of your team, and that's not the um, the goal right now. So I think that that's a bad idea. What I do think, though, is that, you know, when you talk about a, a full season for a veteran player, a 34-year-old player, I'm not sure that he makes every start. You still have uh, Romy Gonzalez there. You still praised him and thought about it. I just think it's a bad idea to open up a season with with uh, the the right side being uh, Oscar Colas, who is going to be your starting right fielder, and uh, and and have a guy like Romy in front of him, I think you're better off using him in more of a utility role. I, and I agree. Maybe eventually he starts a ton especially of games, next to Andrew Vaughn, who there are fewer doubts about. Yes. But you talk about Vaughn and Romy and Oscar Colas, and you have three relatively new players manning really important positions. That's right. And so now that removes some of those questions and doubt, Tim Anderson, I think you respect his place in your organization, and that's why you're leaving him at shortstop, probably more than the baseball reasons that you could theoretically defend because Elvis Andrews has the track record as being better defensively at the position. But at this point of his career, at this point of their respective careers, keeping Tim Anderson at shortstop is defensible and getting Elvis Andrews to play second is a boost. And it's a lot better story than a guy threatening to sue a sports radio station over an interview, right? That, yes, it is. That was one that broke on Saturday that uh, that Mike Clevenger, I, I don't know, did he threaten to sue or did he put the score on kind of No, he did. I warning? mean, it, he, it was an exclusive interview by Steve Greenberg of the Sun-Times. Mm-hmm. It was on suntimes.com and in your Saturday paper. We talked about it on Inside the Clubhouse. What Mike Clevenger did was tell Steve that essentially – the lawyers are paying attention and they wanted his accusers audio to not be played. Uh, and that was according to the story. And he obviously he was upset over the way that that story went down. Um, and it was published in the, in the sun times, Paul Sullivan from the tribune then followed up on Saturday after being a guest on inside the clubhouse and Clevenger did not want to elaborate with him. He dismissed his question uh, without making eye contact the way it was described in the mm-hmm. story. And this is going to be a distraction that continues to be one, it, regardless of what uh, his intentions are, regardless of where this is going. The bottom line is that they have a pitcher who they invested $12 million in that is still under investigation. And, and as a, as a uh, lifelong Sox fan, someone who's followed the team since childhood, I would say – that even at the risk of prosecution, I don't want to see that guy pitch for the White Sox. And it's just my feelings about that signing and his background and all the rest of it. Well, there's nothing actionable about having an opinion about why this guy was a bad decision and a poor investment. There's nothing that prevents you from maintaining that strong opinion. And if he is on the mound, believe me, Mully, you won't be the only White Sox fan that that rejects that idea and is – bothered by that image and that's why I wonder can you imagine what it's going to be like let's play this out and he is still on the White Sox if the investigation is ongoing uh in the first series of the season or the first time they're at guaranteed rate field and he takes them on what kind of reaction do you think he'll get from the home crowd I wouldn't imagine it'd be very good I mean there are there are always some people that are gonna support someone I think that it's a bad the whole thing has been a public relations disaster for the Chicago White Sox. The whole thing. Their, their, you know, their signing of him, the fact that this investigation was ongoing and they didn't know about it, 
the fact, the way they learned about. I, I think every element of this, the, the very fact that you had to open spring training by addressing that and having Rick Hahn come out and finally address it, by the way, and then have uh, – and, Rick, you're invited to come on anytime you want, so you can come address it again if you want. Um, I know he's listening. Regar- and- regardless of what he's threatening to do, regardless yes. of his reaction to the way this story has been covered – it doesn't remove the the, the questions right. about did they do their due diligence? What do they have in place institutionally yes. to make sure this doesn't happen again? Because you can't tell me the White Sox are – they may have a unified front publicly, but I have to think behind the scenes they're asking some very difficult questions and some people are very uncomfortable by those answers. All right, 312-644-6767. That's the telephone number. I'm interested in getting your take on uh, on Elvis Andrews and how you how you balance this good news with everything else that's happened and where you know have the White Sox done enough? Do you feel like they've addressed enough? And can they outplay their Picota Picota Bill Picota? Uh, sorry, Dustin. Uh, Picota um, projection and there was some other interesting news and and pitchers who spoke over the weekend that are worth our time and attention and lucas giolito was among them curious to get your thoughts on what he had to say when we come back we'll we'll play a little bit of that for you too it's mully and haw at chicago sports radio six seven of the score t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.